Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,374. Life is too short to drink cheap wine. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom patterned for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona, Steve Kempton. Hey, Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yeah, I'm all strapped in and ready to go. Here we go. Steve Kempton is the Director of Operations at Track Record, that's spelled R-E-K-O-R-D, a company born out of a need to provide consistent, high-quality track day driver instruction across the United States and Canada. The ultimate goal of Track Record is to reduce risk, improve safety, increase enjoyment, lower lap times, and reduce insurance costs. Steve has a master's degree in engineering, economics, and management from Oxford University, He's a retired consulting actuary who loves to race. He built his first sports car after leaving university and restores English roadsters. He started racing in 2005 in a Lotus Elise and has competed at Lime Rock, Monticello, and was on one of only three U.S. drivers to compete in the Jaguar Somali Hill Climb in South Africa, driving a saline Mustang. That is very cool. Steve joined Track Record after it was founded by past Cars Yeah guests Kai Goddard and Andy Lee. Realizing that two professional race car drivers left to their own devices might be a little problematic. Steve brings his business background to the table and is the voice of reason behind track record. I love that. So, Steve, I told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before I jump into the questions and share a little more about your career and your passion for racing? Well, where do I start? I mean, that was very all-inclusive um, about me. Yeah, my, my background is, is kind of unusual. I'm, I'm what's known as an actuary. Uh, very few people ever know what an actuary is. Like, yeah, would you explain to us <laughs> what exactly do you do? <laughs> well, I don't do that anymore. An actuary is like typically you'll find actuaries in the insurance industry. They are the guys who set premiums, so they're the guys everybody loves to hate. Yeah, um, so see. really actuaries put a monetary value on risk. So, so what I did as I advised 
multinational clients on long-term employee benefit risk. So not helping them actually manage their pension and benefit plans, but helping them understand how much they were costing and, and how much they were costing over the lifetime of their, their employee group. So it, it involved speaking with a wide range of, of people in a wide range of countries about a wide range of subjects. So it was kind of all encompassing. I guess I was good at math. You mentioned that I was an engineer. Um, I was an engineer because the math was easy and I like to find out how things work. And that's, that's stayed with me all my life. So when I left university and I decided I was going to be an actuary, I said, I have to do something with my engineering skills. So as you mentioned, that's when I, I built a, a sports car and it cost me all of 649 pounds. I still remember the price. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I really knew nothing about cars at that point, And that's really what ignited my passion and kind of fired me up to, to learn about cars before the internet. So you didn't have videos helping you out and you had to, you really had to figure out how to solve problems. And that's, that's what I'm good at. So kind of that was my introduction to cars and it, it stayed with me really all my life. I retired, let's see, four years ago from the consulting world. And at that point I decided I'm going to come full circle. I'm going to build another race car. Um, but do it properly this time. I'm fortunate that it was going to cost a little bit more than 649 pounds. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> and, and having just retired, I felt it was a project that I could undertake no matter what the cost. And I built this car, which I actually ordered from the UK in a kit. It came in a big box. All the parts were more or less there. And uh, all I had to provide was a drivetrain. Uh, it took me three months to build the car, and that's now the car that I race on track. That's very cool. We're going to learn a lot more about your car, your racing, uh, track record, and everything you do. But first, I want to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, so Steve, the wheel. <laughs> this is something that you don't take the wheel after doing. It's the mantra I live by is life is too short to drink cheap wine. <laughs> and Very well said. Well, Especially as an actuary <laughs> talks about risk. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, you can take that both literally and figuratively. I have a passion for collecting wine. And, ah, okay. and really, nice. life is too short to drink cheap wine. I like yeah. the finer things in life and I have a very nice wine collection. Everybody comes, likes to come over and, and see what we've got on offer for the day. But also it's, it's a guideline for life as well. Like life is too short to waste your time on the small and inconsequential things. If you want to do something, you should go out and do it. And that's kind of how I live, lead my life. You know, I love this. Uh, my father taught me a valuable lesson years and years ago when it came to things that you wanted in life. He said, you know what? Figure out what the best one is and then save up to when you can afford to purchase it. Um, because if you settle for less and buy something just to satisfy that urge today, you're always going to regret that you didn't wait and get what you really wanted. I'm not much of a wine drinker. My wife enjoys a glass of wine with dinner in the evenings, but I love chocolate. And so <laughs> that's the way I look at chocolate. Don't waste, you don't waste your chocolate endeavors or those calories on a crummy piece of chocolate. Get something really good. 
I, and, I, uh, say I could not agree with you more. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> that's my, my other real weakness in life is chocolate. Yes, I love a little piece of dark chocolate with a nice Malbec or uh, something red, I think, uh, is a nice combination. So, in fact, I am not an aficionado like you are, so I buy wine by the label or if it says smoky chocolate flavor. <laughs> oh, sold. I'll buy it. So I need to come hang out with you and get a little knowledge and, here, I think. Any t- anytime. All right. I'll take you up on that. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated this passion you have for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew, although you're an actuary, you were an actuary, that you were really a car guy? I've, I've really always liked cars. And I, and I think a lot of it stems back to my father. I think he was a frustrated rally driver. And, ah, okay. I, and I remember that. On the days that he would drive us, he would generally drive us to school. And, and I'm talking about what we would call junior school. So this is like pre-age 11. Mm-hmm. I, I lived in a small Elementary village. school, they'd call yeah. it here. Yeah. So I lived in a small village in the UK. And when the weather was bad, he would drive myself and my brother to school. And so it was like that. It was always going around corners sideways. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he's... The first real car I remember was uh, a Mini, which was our family car. And I'm not oh, talking cool. about the current Mini. I'm talking about right. the little. The real Mini, type. yeah. Yeah. So that was our family car. And then he followed the, that up with a, a Mark One Ford Escort, which was a big rally car. Oh, yeah. And then, then after that, he had a Mark II Ford Escort. So it was, I, I think that was really in his, it was something that, that was in him trying to get out. Yeah. And this really comes back to this this thing I was talking about, life is too short to drink cheap wine. He, what my father said to me, he said, I'm always amazed that you just do what you want to do. He said, for me, it was kind of like what your father said. He said, well, you have to save up and, and wait until you can get what you really want. My father was never able to do that. He was never able to save up and get what he really wanted. And so I, d- I don't know whether it's from that that I, that I learned that, but like the early formative years were in these great rally type cars. And then cars have just always been a part of my life ever since. And, and I passed that on to my sons who are both real car enthusiasts. Very cool. I love that. All the idea of sliding back and forth in the back seat of a Mini Cooper on the way to school when dad was doing a four wheel drift through the corner. So I love that. You know, I've got a, uh, a great friend and sponsor here, Chris Kimball, financial advisor. He helps my wife and I manage our money, and he's been supporting me since the beginning. So shout out. I know he listens every morning. He loves everything from England, so he's going to love this show with you, Steve. He loves the <laughs> accent. But he's he's like 6'10 six, six, or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm exact. He's like 6'3 or 6'4. He's much taller than me, but he drives an authentic old Mini Cooper. And uh, just this morning, he said, hey, great show today in an email. Uh, I know I owe you a ride in the Mini. So uh, yeah, yeah, Chris, get over here so we can go for a ride. Well, let's take a look, Steve, at some of these roads you've driven down. Talk about a big challenge you faced in your career or your life, uh, maybe even a failure or two. I'd love for you to walk us through one of those. But more importantly, what was the lesson learned and how did that experience help you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career, your business, and your life? Um, It's a good question. I think I've been very fortunate in my life that I haven't had many major challenges. But the, the one that I think was a real turning point in my life was. When I was a young actuary and I was up for a partnership in my firm, I, I was, I became a partner in one of the largest HR consulting firms in the world. I had been put up for a partnership once, didn't get it. Then the following year I was put up again. I felt I was ready, was certain I was going to get it and then got the crushing news that 
I I didn't get I didn't get elected. I didn't get voted on. And my react immediate reaction to that is, well, that's it. Uh, that's my career is done. It's staying here at this level. Everything is. Everybody's against me. And then know, that, that lasted a short while. And then I kind of sat down and said, well, and I've got to look at myself. It's it's not somebody else's fault why I didn't get that promotion. Um, it's it's about me. So what didn't I do right? What could I change? And how could I go forward on a different path to either say, fine, that wasn't for me, or how can I make sure that I am successful the next time the opportunity arises? So really did then there was a lot of introspection looking back on and being honest with myself okay well maybe i wasn't ready what do i need to do to improve my skill set what do i need to do better to sell myself to the board who are who are electing me and it took another two years and so it was really kind of like uh not a reset but definitely uh okay i've got to step up and i've got to do what i need to do to be able to be the person they want me to be, to be part of this partnership. You know, this is an awesome story, and it's incredibly inspiring but valuable, too. It reminds me of one of the many guests I've had, uh, Wade Kawasaki, who is the head of the Coker Tire Group, president and CEO of the company, but he's also the director for SEMA. And Wade shared the same story. He was up to be uh, elected to be the director of SEMA, a great automotive uh, organization, uh, that is incredible to our industry and he didn't get it and he was just crushed and couldn't, you're like, why? But he went through the same reflective time and said, okay, I'm not ready yet. What do I need to do to be ready for this? How do I need to change? Let me ask you this because this is a tough thing for some people to grasp when they don't get what they want or when people treat them in a different way than they expect or something's happened in their life. What kind of things did you pull up in yourself to be able to stop the, it's them, not me? And reverse that to, well, maybe it's me, not them. That is a very difficult question. <laughs> well, I don't ask easy questions most of the time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I do, but this is an important part of our talk because so many people go through challenges and, and everybody, you know, on social media these days look like their life is perfect, right? Everything's wonderful, but behind the scenes, there's always something going on. So I think you could share a valuable lesson here. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, today, like so many people, I hate to say this, but younger people feel like they're owed something. Nobody is owned anything. You make your own opportunities. So for me, it was, well, like all these other people, all these other people have got this promotion, have become partners of the firm. So there can't be something that's wrong with the process and the people that are, that are choosing me. They like they don't actually know me. They've never met me because it's all done by you have a sponsor who would then put you forward and make a business case about about you being a partner of the firm. So the realization was, well, it it, it isn't them. It's me. I have to really look, sit down, see what you know, what was really lacking in what I was able to offer. And it's easier to see after the fact, like when you're down in the in the battle, it's very difficult to see. and. And often a natural reaction is to blame somebody else. It's easy to blame somebody else rather than looking at yourself. But that's what I've taken forward out of that. It's, yeah, I need to look at, at myself and what I'm doing, and maybe I'm not as great as I think I am. <laughs> um, well said. Yeah. And I mean, looking back on it, and eventually I became involved within the firm in terms of training new consultants 
and helping them get on that path to become a partner. So I was able to use my experiences to help others to be better prepared so they wouldn't have to, then they would learn from my mistakes. And so they wouldn't have to go through the kind of experience that I went through. I think that's really, I'm not sure I really answered the question. No, you did. You did in a great way. And you, you exposed a great little golden nugget there. And that is, we are really at our best when we're helping other people. And that was probably one of the tipping points in the future so that you did get elected there was they realized, okay, he can be a leader. And that's what leaders are. Leaders are people who help others achieve, not just help themselves achieve. So well said. I appreciate you sharing that difficult time and how you came through it. Nice lesson learned. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle and maybe a memory you have about that ride. Well, I've already talked about the the first really special vehicle was which was that kit car that yeah. that I built, which was probably a terrible car in in retrospect. <laughs> what was that kit car? It was called a Dutton Phaeton. It was like a, a two seat, it, kind of a Lotus Seven type look car, but it, I mean, very basic tube frame with a glass fiber body and a sixteen hundred crossflow engine out of a actually out of a Mark II Escort. No one was, but. But that's not the car that I was going to, to talk about. The first really special car to me was a 1970 Triumph Herald 1360. And I don't know if, I mean, that's, that's a very British car. Um, it was like a little tiny four door saloon by 1970. It was a very outdated design. I think the numbers, like the 13 stroke 60 come from its, capacity, which was 1300 cc, and its horsepower, which was all of actually 61 horsepower. Um, <laughs> a mighty 61. I bought this car. My brother and I were each given 500 pounds when my when one of my grandfathers died and was left to us. And so we both decided we were going to buy cars. My Triumph Herald cost 350 pounds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and this was in 1982 or 83. And the reason why it's special, one, it was my first car. I had no other money to actually be able to afford to run the thing. So I had to learn about cars on this. And I actually remember, like I so said, I bought this car for, for 350 pounds. This is actually very similar to one of your other guests recently. And then, of course, I had to buy insurance as well. And I knew nothing about buying insurance for, for cars or whatever. And so I just walked into an insurance shop and said, I need insurance. And they said, well, don't you need a quote? I said, well, yeah. I imagine I need a quote, but what I really yes. need is insurance. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not leaving here without insurance because I want to drive my car. And the insurance cost as much as the car did. Of course. Yeah. And, <laughs> but but the, the first major piece of work that I had to do on that car was replace the clutch in it because the clutch failed. I, I, and I really didn't know much. I probably shouldn't have bought that car because it was actually a rust bucket as well um (laughs) but i was at university at the time had no money this is my only way to get around uh so i said well i've got to fix it i can just about afford to buy a new clutch but i can't afford for a garage to put it in i'm going to figure out how to do it so i took the car apart got the the gearbox out changed the clutch got it back in and lo and behold the thing actually worked but when i put the the gear change back in i think i missed a spring out so you could actually go into reverse from any of the other gears and reverse was <laughs> well that's handy <laughs> reverse was very very close to first gear oh and i remember uh one time when i was in i was visiting my brother in london and we were out driving around in the evening we stopped at a 
at a roundabout getting ready to go on to the onto the roundabout and i thought the car was in first uh-huh i'm waiting for this <laughs> but it wasn't it, it was in reverse much to the surprise of the motorcyclist that was stationed oh. behind us as i reversed Ooh. straight backwards into him oh no no i didn't do it any it just came as a big surprise to him yeah yeah like um, what's this guy doing <laughs> so that was one of the highlights of the car. The other highlight of that car was it had a, a reserve gas tank, petrol tank. Mm-hmm. And well, the reverse tank just involved jumping out of the car and pushing the uh, the pickup tube lower down into the gas tank. <laughs> so there, we had a number of occasions where I'd, because I had no money, I'd run that car till it actually ran out of gas. And then you jump out, drop the, the tube down, and then you'd get an extra half a gallon of gas along with go. All kinds of crud and whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That works fine until you forget to pull the tube up again next time you fill up. Ah, yes. Uh, (laughs) Somebody (laughs) in their infinite wisdom designed that little system. And so you can guess what happened on on that one on a number of occasions. So that is my first special car. Yeah, you know, it's such a distinct style. That car was designed by an Italian, uh, Giovanni Michelotti. Michelotti? Michelotti. My, well, my, uh, well done. Italian's going terrible. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that car came in a, a bunch of different variations. They had a saloon, a convertible, a coupe, an estate. They even had a van model of that thing. And uh, it's just a very unique car. I mean, it has a character to it. That car has a face. You know, some cars just have a face. So nicely no, done. <laughs> well, well, in, the, one of the great things about that car, and it was uh, very similar on the Triumph Spitfire as well, is you could hinge up the whole of the, the bonnet, the, the hood. Ah. So the whole of the front would come up. You could sit on the front wheel and work on the car. Such an easy car to work on. Right? Nice. Completely different to, to uh, modern day cars. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, do you have a seller's remorse story in your life? <laughs> I tend to hold on to my cars. <laughs> so Good I've, for you. I've actually become a, a car collector, much to my wife's disgust. <laughs> yeah, um, that can I just, happen. <laughs> I, I just find it very hard to like, I get very, very attached to cars. Like people say that they're just, you know, they're just a mechanical means to get from A to B. But for me, like every, every single car has a story. And like I, when I left the UK to, to move to Canada, I had to sell the, the Dutton. Which was, you know, I I built that car, and it was part. Lots of me went in it. Lots of knuckles were in it. So I really regretted selling that one. But of like the cars I've had over my my life, I would say the one that I regret selling the most was the original Audi TT, the the one that had the really great Bauhaus design with the curves. I had that in Montreal. It was a Quattro. The 225, which was the more powerful one. It was a fabulous design. It wasn't a great handling car. Um, it was really great in the snow. Very surprisingly practical. A lot of room in it if you put the rear seats down because the rear seats weren't useful for anything very much. But it was also like a very basic stripped out car. There weren't a lot of all the, the modern things you see in today's cars. So it was very basic, great design, fun to drive. And the reason why I said re- regret selling it, I after I had moved to the States, we brought it down, drove it for a, a couple of years and so on. It's time to change the car. How about getting the new TT? So I up, what I thought was an upgrade to a V6 TT, and it was just I was immediately disappointed because it was a much heavier car. It was it was more powerful, but it was soulless. And so they really lost something when they moved from from the original design and 
and made it bigger and heavier and more luxurious. Well, that can happen. Of course, that car, what was great, it came out of a the Volkswagen Group's design center in California. And Jay Mays and Freeman Thomas, great designers, were really uh, coined with the first design of that car. Very unique. I just remember, though, every time I drove one, and I'm not a real tall guy, but I always banged my head when I got out of it because the way it sloped down so fast. Yeah, I had to really kind of remember to get out of it right, but Audi TTs are great. Well, I would love for you to talk more about your involvement with Kai and uh, Andy at Track Record. Uh, what your, I, I mentioned in the intro, your involvement, you're the word of wisdom here. You're the, you're the guy who's going to hold these two crazy race car drivers back a little bit, or at least guide them down the right part of the course into the right apex. But uh, tell us a lot more about your involvement and what Track Record is all about. Now, remind our listeners, it's Record, R-E-K-O-R-D. Yes, because R-E-C-O-R-D was already taken. <laughs> I imagine uh, there was something like that going on. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this whole business kind of came out of discussions with one of the insurance companies. There's this company called Open Track. And they provide specialized insurance for people who want to drive on the track. Because typically, typical uh, motor insurance does not cover a car that's being driven on, on a racetrack, whether it's competitive or not. You know, they, they used to say, okay, if it's driver education, we'll cover you. But a lot of them have kind of seen through that and they, and they don't offer it anymore. So open track offer insurance to track the enthusiasts either on a day to day basis or on a yearly basis, like for people who do a lot of track driving, there is no limit to their insurance. And this is what makes them different. And it sounds like I'm actually talking about them rather than about us. But I, this is part of how we came about to be. What makes them different is they don't have a limit on their policies. Most of these track day insurance policies limit the coverage to like 150000 or whatever. So it really doesn't cover real exotics that are $200,000, $250,000. So you know, they offer these policies, and then they found, hmm, we're getting quite a few claims on these, and we're getting a few more claims than we were expecting. So we started talking to them and really discovered that the claims were due to, to driver error and driver error coming at from poor coaching or lack of understanding how a high-performance car works. The idea for track record came along, say, well, if we can help open track reduce their, their premium costs, it's better for, for the drivers out there. They'll be, they'll be more informed about their cars. They'll better drive better. Open track will have better claims experience and they're going to pay less. The, the driver's going to pay less for the insurance. So it was born out of that. The two of them were both employed at at a racetrack providing coaching to uh, to members and they they decided they wanted they wanted to branch out and um, this has been tried before having some form of network of, of driver coaches but i don't think it's ever been done really successfully so what we have is a network of driver coaches across the country these coaches will come to you teach you how to drive your car on your track or whatever track you want to go to. So typically, it's very difficult, unless you know somebody who knows somebody, to find a good driver coach. So we're taking that part of the equation and saying, well, you know us. We're like, we know these driver coaches. They've known a lot of 
the, the coaches that, that we had in the network. They've known them for many years. They've raced with them. They've coached with them. Many of them have worked in the professional driving schools. So it's very high quality coaching from people who have been doing it all their careers and have raced for, for many years in their career. That is the, the primary focus of what track record does, but we do a lot more than that. So it's not just about coaching and helping people get the maximum potential out of themselves and their cars. We also provide driver services as and when they're, they are needed. So right, for manufacturers who are wanting to do releases of, of new models, uh, we would help them with that temporary track design consulting to racetracks, uh, race driver development, helping people. We have one client at the moment who's who hasn't driven in a race series before, and he wants to end up driving Porsche Cup cars in, in a couple of years. And his goal is to get to Cota before the, the Formula One race. So we're developing a whole career plan for him to take him from that Mazda spec racing all the way through up to, to Porsche Cup. So anything that can be associated with with high performance or precision driving. Very cool. I'll remind our listeners you can learn more about this by going to their website, trackrecord.com. Again, R-E-K-O-R-D. Very cool idea. I think this is really great. And I'm going to be having Kai back on the show here. He was a guest back when he was an instructor back at Indy in managing, uh, helping manage that track in uh, Arizona, but uh, now he's involved with you at Track Record. This is fantastic. I love having guests back who uh, have evolved and grown and moved into something new and different, so I look forward to Kai being on the show very soon. Steve, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car, or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride. And when you're ready to check out, enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, 
thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. All right, Steve, we're back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. I'm kind of going to dive into your skull a little bit here. If you were a vehicle, if you were actually manifested as a vehicle, not what you want to be, how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would you be and why? I I think I'd have to say that I'd be an old British roadster. Oh, Uh, cool. Lots of character. You don't know what's going to fall off next. Still going strong after all these years. (laughs) Oh, and, and I've got the accent for it as well. Oh, you so, do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, this is great. It would. It would. I mean, that's. What else could I be? <laughs> I know that's you all the way. I love it. <laughs> well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that old English car throttle. So here we go, without blowing anything up. What's the best automotive advice or racing advice you've ever received? This one's not a quick answer because it needs some background to explain. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, the the best uh, advice uh, in terms of driving that I got is from Dave Smith, who is one of the uh, the track record coaches. Sunday morning at this year's hill climb in South Africa, his exact words to me were, "Steve, it's time to sack up like one of the baboons on the track and get aggressive." <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I said this would take a little bit of time to to explain is. This hill climb is run on a pub, public road up a hill towards to a country club in South Africa on the coast, and there are a lot of wild baboons around baboons, there. Baboons, huh? So Saturday afternoon, course is red flagged because of three baboons at the top of the track. Two of them were on the track. Let's say, for the purpose of your listeners, they were getting intimate. Oh, okay. And but the third one was involved as well because he was sitting off to the side of the track watching them while pleasuring. Cheering them on. Yes. <laughs> he was pleasuring himself. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, so, yeah. So there goes secu- the family show. <laughs> so security had to go up, up the hill and, and uh, persuade the- them. Yeah, shoot them so, away. So, oh my gosh! I'm sorry if it is a family <laughs> show, but then I ended up ended up with Dave's advice and a sticker on my helmet said, which said "baboon balls." Ah, I love it. <laughs> this is funny. You know, you you bring back a memory. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in Southern California, and there was this thing called Lion Country Safari. It's up there where a lot of houses are built now. It's where the 405 and five kind of split, um, just south of Los Angeles. And they had Lion Country Safari. Where you drove your car into this natural reserve and there's wild animals just walking around and one of the things they had were baboons and we had just bought my parents had just bought a brand new Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser this was in the 60s and uh you know parents very proud that they could have bought a new car like that and we pulled up and these baboons came up and one jumped on the hood of the car my dad was not very happy about this big baboon being on the hood of his brand new Oldsmobile so he honked the horn well that just made this ape a little mad and then he thought, well, I'll turn the windshield wipers on. Maybe that'll scare him. Imagine this baboon looking through the windshield at my mom and my dad, my sister and I in the back seat, and he's watching this windshield wiper, and his head's going back and forth and back and forth. And we all start laughing. Well, this baboon did not like being laughed at, so he grabbed one of the windshield wipers, promptly ripped it right off the car, and ran off into the, into the bush with my dad's windshield wiper. I thought my dad was going to get out and chase him, so my mom said, stay in the car, stay in the car, he's got big teeth. So, uh, yeah, that's my baboon story. Not quite as uh, 
it's <laughs> loving is yours. <laughs> I've, I've got plenty more baboon stories. I'll bet. South Africa. I'll bet. <laughs> well, when I come over and drink some of that fine wine at your house and I'll bring some good chocolate, you can tell me some of those I will. stories. <laughs> there you go. How about a personal habit of yours you believe has contributed to your success over the years? There are really two, really. Mm-hmm. Um, one, which in particular is from my business, uh, my business life, is never, ever compromise on quality. I think that's very important. I think that goes through to everything. And the, and the other one, which was also from my, my business life in terms of dealing with my clients, was be honest and genuine with them. Right? Yeah. People, people can see through a, a fake. And if you're honest, even if it's a difficult topic that you've got to address with it, with your client, if you're honest about it, they're going to appreciate that a lot more. Absolutely. How about a resource? There's so many these days. Is there one you'd like to share? Yeah. Trackrecord.com. Ah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> well, I no, love I'm it. Like, in terms of in terms of resources, I I referred back to this the, to earlier when I was talking about them, my first car. I was like, we didn't have the internet back then. There was just so much out there. And I think that like the, the biggest resource that I have is is really YouTube. There are so many talented people out there who want to share what they have. You can find out a lot about everything. In addition to repairing cars over the past month, I've repaired a TV and a washing machine, all yeah. from stuff on YouTube. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. You can even yeah. figure out how to extract a tooth on YouTube if that's what you want to do. Well, so uh... <laughs> I don't think I'll go that far. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> how about it? I could arrange for you to have a drink, a nice glass of wine with uh, anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased. Who would that be? Colin Chapman. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if he, I, he drank wine. I think he liked the odd beer. But, I mean, he was an engineering genius. He, yeah. I mean, he revolutionized Formula One racing. He was involved in Formula One racing when it was still great. He came up with so many great ideas, and this whole concept of simplify and add lightness has carried through in his cars. I would say right up until today, I'm, I'm not sure I'm too impressed with the Lotus's new hypercar, which is 2,000 horsepower and very heavy. I, I mean, it's, I know that's the way cars are going in the future, but that's not Lotus to me. So yeah, yeah. Colin Chapman, I would love to sit down and just hear what he has to say. Quite a character. The first vintage car I raced for years was a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. So uh, kind of channeled him through. And of course, I understand that that was the first open wheel car that Jimmy Clark raced. So every time I got in that car, I tried to think, what would Jimmy do? What would Jimmy do? <laughs> of course, my skill sets were nowhere near his, but uh, at least I got to pretend yeah, that I was, was him. I, I was going to say, what would Jimmy do? Go incredibly quickly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I tried. That was a fun car to, to start in because it was a relatively slow car, but uh, you definitely had to learn some drifting controls. Very small, skinny Dunlop, Dunlop tires. Well, there you go. You say it was slow, but it was quick. Yes. There was yeah. a difference there. And I mean, that, and those are the kind of cars that I drive. Like I, I have a Lotus Elise, which I drive. It's not a particularly ah, yeah. fast car, but it's quick. My Lotus 7 car, it's actually called a Westfield, but it's a, it's a Lotus 7 style car. It's a little more powerful. It's 250 horsepower, which is a lot for a Lotus 7, but it still can't, it still can't compete in a straight line with like a 500 horsepower Mustang or whatever. But it's way quicker because it gets through the corners faster. So this was the whole ethos of, of Colin Chapman and Lotus. Low powered cars with spectacular handling that weren't fast, but they were quick. Yeah, fantastic. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you'd like to share with our listeners? Is there a book I've read? <laughs> <laughs> well, that you'd like to share. I always add that little bit. Yeah, hopefully you've read one book or two. <laughs> do, do people still read books? 
Well, you know, my wife listens to audiobooks like every day. I think she does it so she doesn't have to hear me. She's always got earbuds in her ears and I have to always interrupt her. But uh, that's another way to enjoy books these days. But there is a book that, that I would share. And it's probably the only book I've read in the last few years because like all my reading I do, it's like magazines, technical stuff and online. It's a book called You Could Be Home By Now. And the reason why I would recommend this is it's written by a friend of mine, Tracy Manister. It's her first novel. And it's it's about this couple moving to a a retirement community in Arizona for people who are over 55. And I think uh-huh. she was thinking about me when, when, ah, when she wrote that. Okay. Um, good. But so if you want to... It's just very well written. The characters are really well developed and it's, it's talking about, it was kind of set during the, the housing crisis. And so it's talking about the challenges people are having during the housing crisis, but it's this whole story going on in this retirement community. It's very, very good. Very nice. A shout out to Tracy Manister for that book. You could be home by now. I'll put a link to that on Steve's show notes page so you can get yourself a copy. All right, Steve, we're up to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car, vintage race car, something fun for your garage today. But there's some rules to this game that could make it a challenge for you. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. Two, you have to drive it. No garage queens allowed. But here's the kicker. It's the only one collector car you can have. It means you got to get rid of all your other ones unless you already have the car you want to have. And then I don't have to buy you anything today. So what's it going to be? Well, I was going to start this with I just bought the collector car that I absolutely have lasted for for 20 okay. years. Nice. Um, but I do have another one that you can buy me. Oh, my, okay. my, my well, wife let's start be, with the one you just bought. Yeah, my wife I like that be, idea better. <laughs> my wife will not be happy if you buy me another car. Oh, okay. But, but as long as it's just between us, that's fine. Okay, so, we won't let So it the car I just bought and have been looking for for 20 years is a 2000 BMW M Coupe. The clown shoe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like those. Unbelievable handling on that car. And it was probably a car that was never meant to be, but the engineers got their way. It, when BMW came out with the, the, what I would call the Z3 Roadster, the Z3 Roadster. I mean, that was a sports car for the massive masses. The engineers felt that it could be way better and they got this permission to, to build this coupe version of the car, which is, I don't remember exactly what the exact number is, but it's like two and a half times stiffer than the roadster body by putting a roof on it. But they had to build it to a budget using all the other bits from the E36 BMW and the the, the Z3 Roadster. So it's got a lot of interchangeable parts, but it's a very rare car. And this one is Estoril Blue, um, which I think is the best color on that car. I've been looking for it for ages and found it on Bring, Bring a Trailer. That's the answer to your previous question about what's a really good resource for cars. Yes. Yeah, Bring the Trailer. Yeah. yeah, Randy Nannenberg is a guest on the show. I'm going to have him back uh, very soon. He was a guest a long time ago before they even had auctions. They were just thinking about doing that. So looking forward to having him back. But you mentioned there's a, there is a car I can buy. There so. is a car. There is a car you can buy me. Okay. It's the Dino 246 GTS. Of course. Yeah. I uh, love it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my bucket list cars for sure. Uh, a car that I got to drive back as a kid when I started detailing cars. And uh, lucky you. Yeah. But then, but back then nobody wanted them, right? 
Well, you know, I think, yeah, it was probably about seven, eight years ago. You could pick one up for forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 all day long. And now they're three hundred, four hundred, three hundred, maybe more. So, yeah, they've really grown up. But uh, Well, I mean, there were only 1,200 or so of them built. And yeah. it was kind of, I don't know whether it was the redheaded stepchild of Ferrari, but Ferrari didn't want to sully their name with a V6 powered car. Yeah. And yeah. Kind of, in uh, my opinion, it's one of the best cars that, that they, they were ever involved with. Well, and again, not super fast car, but a quick car and a fun car, but just beautiful. Just beautiful, beautiful design. Now very desirable. Yeah. When I was detailing cars as a young kid, I did that through high school and college. And uh, my wife, when I was courting her, she would come over and study. She's an engineering student where we met in college. And uh, she'd sit there out in her lawn chair while I was detailing cars. And Remember one time she said, "Wow, never saw anybody make love to a car until you rub wax on that," and uh, and it was a Dino, yeah, Sam Salemi's Dino that he used to let me drive home in detail. That car originally was owned by Cher, which is an interesting history. It was a metallic purple, which was kind of a crazy oh, color. But I'm not uh, so you know. sure about that. Well, it, yeah, car looks good in any color, but yeah, I think I might pick a different color. Oh, my gosh, Steve, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been really fun. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off in the sunset? Let's say in that Dino. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you when, when you're going to have it delivered. I'll get it to you as <laughs> soon as I can. Yeah, along with all the other 1,373 other cars that I've bought for people. I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. <laughs> so what I try and tell people, and I... And I said this to my to my sons and to other young people that uh, that kind of just starting off in life is don't do a job just because you feel you have to do a job. Do something in life that you're passionate about. Um, life is too short to drink cheap wine, right? I you, love it. No, yeah. don't don't go into a career that somebody else wants you to go into. Oftentimes, people you know ask people, "Why did you become whatever you were?" Well, it's because my parents wanted me to do that. Do what you want to do, and and just be be you. Absolutely, and, great, and great be advice. The, be the best you you can be, doing what yeah. you love to do. That's what I'm doing now. It took me my whole career to be in a point where I could do what I really love doing. I mean, when I retired. I became a ninja warrior coach. I still am. So I'm teaching young, young people how to be ninjas. And now I'm involved with this fabulous company with fabulous guys. And I get to, to drive and be involved in all kinds of cool cars. I, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving a trophy life light truck through the desert. I mean, I never would have got to do that as an actuary. Yeah. Um, no, probably not. <laughs> so do what you want to do. Well, great advice from a guy who finally figured it out. I love that. Great story. And if you want to learn more about Track Record, just go to Track Record. Again, that's R-E-K-O-R-D.com, and you can learn all about it. Get involved with these guys. Watch for Kai to be on the show coming up soon. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me 
on the Cars Yeah! TV show. It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah! TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!